Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The gloom was no longer exclusive to the landscape, but now lived within each of the men who had come to know Rivakin. 
The thunder sounded out a eulogy that they were unable to verbalize, a sorrowful song of bellows and angry screams. The smoke and dust from the portion of land that had fallen were still lingering like pluming phantoms unable to escape. The group had yet to move, each of them waiting for Riva to suddenly appear, climb up the mountainside like some unkillable thing, and go on about his business. But he didn't. Instead, the world went on callously without him, as if it had forgotten him completely. The sky roiled and the rain continued to pour, mists pooling at the group's feet like ghostly clutching hands. There was a silence that pervaded for quite some time, a quiet disturbed only by the elements and a few unidentifiable animals. Salvatore was the first to speak. Uh, Riva, he... he's all right. Right? I mean, he could survive that, right? Right, Vorn? Right? Vorn was silent, his eyes damp, staring out into the accumulating vapors where his friend once stood, fighting to save his life. It was only with the greatest effort that he managed to speak. I don't know, Sal, but it seems... Vorn couldn't finish, his voice unable to make it out of his choking throat. Then his face contorted like Wesley had never seen it. There was fury to it, righteous anger. He looked at Moffat, accusingly. Did you know this would happen? Moffat was silent and seemed genuinely sad. Did you fucking know, goddammit? Did you fucking know? Vorn started walking toward Moffat aggressively, his hand balled into a fist. I assure you, Vorin, if, if I had known this would happen, I would have done everything I could to prevent it. You must believe me. Sneering, Vorin vehemently retorted. Must I now? Believe the man who, on several occasions, has lied to us, or withheld information in the supposed interest of survival? Or would it be exclusively your survival, Moffat? and we were just incidentally saved. How am I, we, to believe a man who makes it his life goal to withhold information to manipulate the future? Tell me that, Cyrus. Cyrus was simply silent. There was an extra layer of melancholy to his aura, a sense that he, down deep, detested what he had to do. He looked down and spoke. I, I can only give you my word, Foran. I did not know River was going to. I didn't know. Vorn walked up close to Moffat, only inches from his face. That had better be true, Moffat. Or I swear, if you're lying, you won't have to worry about the creatures on this continent killing you, because it will be me standing over you in your last moments. Do you understand me? Moffat accepted the threat in stride and simply nodded his head, solemnly agreeing to the Ink Dragon's promise. <laughs> Perhaps we've been barking up the wrong tree all this time. Perhaps Vorin just needs a little push, and he'll do all the dirty work for us. Shut up! Just shut the fuck up! Our friend is dead! The least you could do is give us a moment's peace to process it. He died saving our lives. That includes yours, you ungrateful piece of shit! I don't give a shit about your foul-mouthed friend. He can fucking rot for all I care. <laughs> However, this does complicate the situation a bit, as the group no longer has a handler, so to speak. But that's not my problem or yours. We'll be able to survive. The others, not so much. Oh, you can bet I'll be throwing myself in the middle of whatever upcoming conflict we have and force you out. 
Go ahead and threaten the others like you usually do. Go ahead! Because guess what? It doesn't fucking matter anymore because they're as good as dead without Riva. The voice was silent for a few moments, perhaps pondering its blunder. The thing was ancient and certainly wise, but it had a sadism to it that sometimes influenced its decisions. Decisions that sometimes went against its own interests. Wesley didn't relent. It seems in your relentless pursuit to torture me and the others, you've put yourself in quite a bind. Perhaps you're not so different from us monkeys after all, letting your emotions get the best of you. The voice finally spoke. Ah, it is no concern to me. I will, we will, survive this. That is all that matters. The thing receded into that pocket of mental darkness where it commonly dwelled, a place that Wesley, for some reason, could not penetrate. He knew the monster had taken his point, knew it made a mistake in letting Riva die. Well, we, we just can't leave. If there's a chance he's alive, we, we, we gotta go get him, right? I mean, for all we know, he could just be at the bottom of that hill in the rubble, right? I mean, we, we can't just leave him there. I'm afraid we can't go back, Salvatore. River did what he did for a reason, to get us out of danger's way. Going back would make his sacrifice pointless. We can't survive those things. What the fuck do you mean? The man stuck his neck out for us time and time again, and we're just gonna repay him by being chicken shits and leaving him? Fuck that! Vorin, tell him we can't just leave him! Vorin was quiet, looking down at the ground, tears streaming down his face. I'm... I'm afraid Moffat is right. He did what he did to save us, knowing we were too weak to fight those things. Going back now would just make his sacrifice pointless. I can't believe I'm fucking hearing this. You, of all people, should want to go back. You're his fucking best friend, for Christ's sake. How could you just leave him? How could you... Vorn turned, wrathful. Don't you dare call my friendship with River into question. I've known him far longer than any of you. River took his station seriously. He was to protect me at all costs, up to and including giving his life for mine. I would be dishonoring him by going back there and throwing my life away after he sacrifices to save mine, all of ours. There is no one more saddened by his death than me. Do not dare lecture me on my friendships. Salvatore became begrudgingly silent and then looked at Wesley. You've been awful quiet. What you take in all this? Wesley sighed, knowing Salvatore wouldn't like his answer. Look, Sal, we all loved River, but Cyrus and Vorin are right. If we go back there and get ourselves killed, then what did he die for, huh? He didn't die for us just to go back and get ourselves killed. He sacrificed himself so we could live. The best way to honor that is to do what he intended us to do. Move forward and get off this fucking continent. Salvatore gritted his teeth and just walked away, clearly not satisfied with the decision. Then he whipped around in rage. And where the fuck were our supposed benevolent benefactors, huh? They said it wouldn't be a problem if we just followed the directions. Well, we did that, and still got fucked. And not a goddamn one of those jellyfish-looking motherfuckers showed up to help. I say fuck them. We're the ones risking our asses up here while they play hide-and-go-fuck-yourself underground. And that, Salvatore had a point. And Wesley couldn't help but be suspicious of the strange being's intentions and willingness to help. Do not expect the Umbarian to help you. <laughs> they are fickle. They are not known for their stability. Though they are quite powerful, they are also, how do you say, disturbed. 
Would have been nice to know that before. At the time, you had no choice but to accept their terms. If you hadn't, well, you and yours would have been a liability. And the Ambarian is not known for keeping loose ends. <sighs> Great. Such is the nature of the real world, little Wesley. Bargains must be made with devils in order to seek survival. Especially if they wish to topple even bigger devils. Wesley was the one to recede this time, ignoring Hesperius's ominous words. Wesley turned to the rest of the group. Okay, so what now? It's getting late and we should probably put as much distance between us and those fucking pits as we possibly can. The thunder first responded. A large crackle that almost sundered the sky as if it weren't thunder at all, but a massive hand crashing through reality to crush the world. Vorn nodded his head. We should continue up the stairs and onto the path the creature referred to. Once we're a couple hours further out, uh, we can stop and make camp. Agreed. It's best we get as far away from here as possible. There's no telling if those things will be out searching. Salvatore begrudgingly nodded, hefting his stuff as if he were ready to go. The rest of the group solemnly grabbed their backpacks and made their way further up the mountain. The steps seemed to go on forever climbing high into the sky until it almost seemed as if they were among the clouds. As they reached the top, they were met with strange giant statuary, each stone effigy a corruption of all things natural. Some look roughly human, their appendages deformed and holding strange scepters in their hands. Others were completely outré, things born from the imagination of a mad god. Tentacles, claws, hundreds of eyes, and a mangled and human countenance. All of these emerged from the plumes of fog that covered most of the rocky landscape. Luckily, there didn't seem to be any sign of life. The place was barren except for the disconcerting effigies punctuating the trail they were now traveling. The statuary was eventually joined by moderately large dwellings, their architecture a chimera of artistic styles. On one hand, they reflected the Gothic era, possessing winding staircases, pointed arches, and buttresses while other parts curved and wound in an organic fashion, not dissimilar from Art Nouveau-inspired structures. Of course, these structures were not influenced by those specific architectural types, but there was enough similarity to draw parallels. The structures seemed to lean, as if their nature had contorted them into crooked semblances of stone, marble, and some kind of blackish-purple rock. It was as if the evil that rose from the land seeped into every pore and crack in the buildings and poisoned them turning them into rheumatoid shells of their previous selves. It was getting dark and Wesley knew they would need to find cover in one of them. As the storm overhead was getting quite intense, the thunder becoming a percussive song of ear-shattering cracks and world-shaking bellows. But it wasn't just the diabolical symmetry of the places he dreaded, nor was it the horrible things that no doubt took place beyond their thresholds. But it would be the first night without Riva's presence. A night where the kind mute would not stolidly look over the group and occasionally signal one of them to keep quiet. It was like visiting home after a parent died. There's an aching vacancy that pulsates and lingers. A space you know should be filled but has nonetheless become the home of empty space. It was not something Wesley, or the rest of them for that matter, were looking forward to. That perhaps explained their extended journey upon the winding path, with Vorn continuing forward well past dark. However, when the music of nighttime creatures became more than simple background noise, and the mist clung to the ground in buildings like gossamer spiderwebs, Vorn finally turned. All right, I think we've gone far enough. I say we take shelter in that 
house or structure or whatever it is. The group walked over and reflexively paused at the door. This is where River would usually tell everyone to stand back while he investigated. Foran drew a long breath and then creaked open the door with the muzzle of his shotgun. The door whined as it slowly drifted open. Salvatore flashed a light inside, a storm of dust and mire filling the air. The place was abandoned, the groans and complaints of an ancient abode their only company. After the group did a full sweep of the place, they congregated in what seemed to be a large and lavish reading room, the shelves loaded with dusty tomes. Normally, Wesley would expect Vorn to be ecstatic with the prospect of so much reading material. But melancholy had dulled his curiosity, and he sat silently by the blaze they had made in the aged fireplace, looking on blankly. For a while, the group was silent, each staring into the small fire, watching its red embers fly up and fizzle into nothing. Finally, Salvatore spoke up. You know, it's... Uh, it's my fault he's gone. I, I'm, uh, I'm the weak link here. I'm the one who fell down those fucking stairs when that bitch screamed. I'm, I'm the one who couldn't cut it. And if it weren't for that, River would never have to step in and he'd still be here. Cell's eyes were glossy with tears of guilt and self-loathing. Moffat was quick to respond. That's utter nonsense, my boy. It could have been any one of us. The thing knew we were there. A fight was inevitable. Salvatore seemed unrelieved. I should have died with the rest of the platoon back at camp. Yeah, you should have never brought me with you. I... Vorn abruptly interrupted. Enough of that. River found much value in you, and you should too. He wouldn't want you to feel guilty. He would want you to step up and have some self-respect. He valued you not only as an ally, but as a friend. Believe me, that was something not easily earned with River. He was a stoic and hard-to-know man. But deep down, he cared deeply for the people close to him. He was honored to have given his life for you. For all of us. The group fell silent, not used to Vorin being so forceful, so emotional. He was usually calm and collected, but the death of his longtime colleague and friend had clearly shaken him. One could see it was taking all the willpower he had not to crumble, the house of cards fighting the wind. Salvatore seemed to take Vorin's words to heart. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're right, Vorin. I'm, I'm sorry. Vorin just stared into the fire his eyes reflecting the amber and crimson flames licking the flue. Then he looked at everyone suddenly. You know, I knew the man for years, and it was only two years ago that he told me what happened to him when he awoke from the great darkness. I told him what happened to me soon after it happened. But River, he held his burdens close. He was always happy to carry someone else's, but he wouldn't let you carry any of his. I think... I think a part of me always resented him for that. Not letting me help him carry some of the pain. Vorn paused again, his eyes capturing the glint of the fire. He told me he woke up on the outskirts of a dilapidated little town. More of a hamlet, really. He said the houses resembled wooden mingled corpses, disfigured structures that looked as though they had grown from the ground rather than having been built. But he noted the place was eerily quiet. He couldn't hear a thing. Not the wind, the rustle of his billowing cloak, or even his own footsteps. 
He then noticed that all the houses had red, indecipherable writing on them, seemingly painted on with a thick finger. He wandered the silent streets for a while, observing the houses with caution. Then he saw her. In the window of the... where of the ramshackle buildings was a woman. Her appearance was grimy, as if she hadn't bathed in months. Yet, what struck him most was the deformed hand covering her mouth and the shadowy, indescribable figure behind her. She began drawing those strange symbols he had seen on the houses onto the frosted glass with her finger. Soon every window and every house revealed an occupant, each with a hand over their mouth. All sketching mysterious glyphs onto the glass. When he tried to investigate, he, he discovered that none of the houses had doors and the windows were unbreakable. Desperate, he attempted to use the maledictions, hoping to blast his way in. Yet, when he opened his mouth to speak, he told me no sound emerged. His powerful curses were rendered useless. He strained, his throat aching from the effort, but silence prevailed. For the first time, he felt the roar of vulnerability and hopelessness that those he once protected must have experienced. He told me he watched the faces of those trapped souls for hours. Their eyes, desperate windows to tormented spirits. Spirits he could not save. He walked for what felt like an eternity with silent onlookers sketching on the windows and the shadowy figures behind them, likely reveling in River's impotence. He had never felt so defeated, he told me. Not just because he couldn't rescue those unfortunate souls, but because the silence was so pervasive. It felt as though an entire dimension of reality had been erased, the remnants of its destruction threatening to overwhelm him. Well, when he finally left the town, it vanished. He told me on Sundays he would search for it, driven to liberate those people from their silent cages, or to conclude their endless suffering by burning the place down. But he never did find it. The group was quiet, the strange tale weighing heavy on them. I tell you all this to demonstrate the kind of man River was. He was kind-hearted, <laughs> despite having a cursed tongue. He didn't fear for himself, he only sought to help others. That's why you shouldn't feel bad, Salvatore. River would have made the same choice a thousand times over. He left this world doing what he sought out to do, protecting the ones he loved. So let's not waste his sacrifice and get out of this alive. The group solemnly nodded, holding their drinks out to honor their lost friend. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anslone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythologies, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Meltopia, visit us at Meltopia.com. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.